It is Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is not my man Trevor Plouffe. That is my man Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals hanging out with us for a second straight day. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. Trade deadline day has come and gone. We'll break it all down momentarily. But first, I've got a new look. Got my hair cut, dyed my beard, and I'm wearing an Omaha Storm Chasers hat in honor of Pasquantino. I am ready to go, dude. You look like it. I mean, what an incredible difference from yesterday to today. I think he lost 10 years, uh, which is just incredible. So good for you. Yeah. And actually, it looks fairly natural because it's a, it's a medium brown color. So the the mistake, guys, if you're ever going to do a little bit, I, and I didn't dye anything in my hair. This is my natural color. You can actually see some gray on the side. But the key is do not go too dark either on your hair or on your facial hair. That's when guys make a mistake, Vinny. Yeah, yeah, because then it's like, ooh, he's going for too much. But you, you know, you just look just look natural. Yeah, M- Michelle was looking at me like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah, you might, go. Might have, to, might have to do this on a weekly basis. All right, uh, let's start out with a tip of the cap to a guy who made a little bit of history last night to culminate a huge day for the Houston Astros. Looper, Pena, no hitter for Framber Valdez. The first lefty in franchise history to throw a no hitter. Well, uh, of course, it came against my Cleveland Guardians, who it was only a few short seasons ago. They got no hit three times in a single season. Uh, But Framber is a guy who's actually struggled the last few weeks, had an ERA over seven, I believe, in his last four or five starts. Yesterday was as good a pitching performance as I have ever seen, and that includes some perfect games out there. He faced the minimum. He walked one guy. He had one guy who had an exit velo over 100 miles per hour. He was just filthy, dude. Yeah, the what you just said is ridiculous. Facing the minimum, the exit velocity of one over a hundred—that's just absurd. Uh, what an incredible performance by him! He was probably excited that Verlander's back. So, what a massive day for Houston, uh, and to finish it off with a no hitter. And I believe they're what a half game back now, or they're tied. Um, so they're right, and we'll talk about them in a second. But what a day for the Houston Astros! Hey, with Framber, have you had a chance to face him yet? No, I have not. I've just heard about some of the movement profiles on his fastball and just how how hard it is to really get under it. And that curveball, too. I imagine that if you're a lefty, that ain't a whole lot of fun to face. Yeah, yeah. He's just one he's one of those uh he's one of those guys, you know, top of the rotation and stuff where you go in there, you know you're in for a grind and you know you just you throw pretty much everything out the window and you just try to go compete against a guy like that because because he's got the stuff to make you look dumb if you're not if you're not ready for it. And for the Astros, they actually have the most no hitters in baseball since they entered the league in 1961. They got 16 of them, and that includes the playoffs. So um, if you're an Astros fan, you've been pretty fortunate over the last 60 plus years because you'll have a chance to see a no hitter about every three and a half seasons, which which ain't bad. Um, But let's start it off with the Astros, who made the biggest splash of all teams at the trade deadline. They have reacquired Justin Verlander from the New York Mets. 
at quite a discounted price because Stevie Cohen's picking up a big part of the tab. We'll focus on that momentarily. But does Verlander's return to Houston make them the definitive favorite to represent the AL in the World Series? A definitive, no, not in my opinion. I still think right now that's the Orioles. Um, I think the AL West is a. I think the AL West and the East are two incredible divisions. One's a little bit more top heavy than the other, but uh, I think it's the Orioles. I think they're the favorites to do it right now, just because of the way they've been playing. Really? I think the Astros are right there, and I think getting Verlander helps a lot with that starting pitching. But but right now, I still uh, am leaning Orioles over Houston. Wow. Why? Tell me why. Because the Orioles did not. I mean, they they picked up Jack Flaherty, who's going to help them. He is not Verlander. He's not even Jack Flaherty of old. But he is a guy that if they had to play a, a best of five series is definitely starting one of their first three games, maybe even one of their top two. But I, I'm curious why you think this. Well, I think they did some sneaky things at the deadline. I think Fujinami was a, a really good pickup for them to solidify their seven, eight, nine in the bullpen, you get Flaherty, you just add some depth to that starting rotation. And I think they felt like they were in a really good spot. And I would, I know they, there was rumors that they had made a strong push for Dylan Cease yesterday, which I think might change your mind a little bit if, if he was on the Orioles. Um, but I just think that right now Houston has Valdez Verlander, and then they've got a few younger guys pitching. They've got Javier as well, who I believe is, he's still healthy, right? They've got a few injuries. Is Javier healthy? Or is he not so healthy? Javier's healthy, but he has not been – he hasn't been right all year. He just hasn't been the same guy that he's been for Houston the last few postseasons. Um, they are going to get Urquidy back shortly. He just had another rehab yeah. start. So they're going to lengthen that that team. They did pick up Kendall Graveman, who's a guy that they had traded for before mm -hmm. and has helped them. Um, to me, the biggest thing is that Jordan Alvarez is back. And that guy right. just changed. He's the, the He's he's the key piece. Yeah, he's the key piece to that lineup because Altuve, he's great. Bregman's great. Those guys are unbelievable. But Jordan's the one that every team has to circle and just say, "All right, this is the guy that we got to really work on." And he's just he's just good enough to beat it all all given times. And I also haven't seen Houston live this year yet, so that might change my mind once I see them in person. But uh, I just feel like what Baltimore's cooking with right now is just. It's just something special with those young guys getting the experience they are as they're pushing, which also could hurt them at the end is when they face a team like Houston, who's got that postseason experience. I mean, that stuff matters. So, but for me at this moment, I still lean Baltimore. Wow. God, that'd be fascinating. I, you know, I, I love watching the Orioles play. And I think I mentioned on this show yesterday that if they somehow are able to convince Justin Verlander to come to that neck of the woods instead of go back to Houston or go to LA if if that's what he had desired that would be really really fun if you don't have a dog in the fight um I just think that this move because Ver, it's interesting you know Verlander's not a strikeout pitcher you know that's that's where he lived for so long because he had the ability to dial it up to 99 miles an hour in the eighth inning when he really needed that key strikeout that's not who he is anymore Vinny yeah, he's a pitcher. Uh, so when when he lost the ability to strike out, you know, fifteen in a given game, he's uh, he's always been a pitcher, and now he's keeping guys off balance. He doesn't have to blow it by guys. He's getting weaker contact, and he's making guys get themselves out. And you know, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like what CC Sabathia did when he got older. He changed he changed how he did it a little bit, but he was still just as effective, just in a different way.
All right, so now let's move on to Justin Verlander's old team, the New York Mets. Uh, over the last five days now, they got rid of Verlander, Scherzer, Pham, Robertson, Canna, a whole ton of veterans, and they're still going to be paying a substantial portion of at least the pitcher's contracts. Uh, Max Scherzer had a chance to meet the media in Texas for the first time on trade deadline day. And he told us about the conversation he had with, with Mets GM Billy Epler. The team is now uh, kind of shifting vision and, and that uh, they're looking to compete uh, now for 2025 and 2026. Uh, and that, um, you know, 2024, there, it was not going to be a reload situation uh, in New York and that it was going to be more of a transition um, in 2024. And uh, that they're, you know, we're looking to um, – you know, make decisions you know, for uh, to compete outside my contract window. Okay, do you believe this, that the Mets are going to be able to just say, ah, we're not really reloading in 2024, we're looking at 2025 and beyond? Uh, I guess I kind of have to if I, – I, I don't know. I, this is so confusing to me. Um, What's confusing? That this is public. I think is kind of the first thing that confuses me is like, I mean, first off, let's, we could say this, like Max Scherzer is not a normal player. He's got so much tenure in this league. He's, you know, going to be a hall of fame pitcher who's been around forever. He's done a lot for the game. So he has the right to go in and talk to a general manager and an owner and see what's going on because he doesn't want to pitch for a team that's rebuilding. So I guess the biggest question is, were they saying that to him to try to get rid of him, even though they're picking up a lot of the money? So the money wasn't the issue to them. I guess they just wanted some younger guys. Um, mm -hmm. And they did go get a lot of prospects, some close to the big league, some not. So are they moving guys to potentially make a play at Otani this offseason? But if this information is true, from what everything you hear about Otani, he doesn't want to rebuild or uh, retool, whatever the words were. So, yeah, I don't know if I really believe it or if I don't believe it. I think I'm more just confused than anything. <laughs> I Right. Essentially what they did with the Verlander and the Scherzer deals was buy prospects. Mm -hmm. And they paid a substantial amount of money. If you right. just look at the Verlander deal yesterday, um, the Mets are going to pay out 35 of the remaining 58 million on Verlander's deal through 2024. He then has a $35 million vesting option if he hits 140 innings next year, which seems rather attainable. The Mets are going to pick up half of that. So if you add it all up, the Mets are paying 35 and 17 and a half. That's $52.5 million to get two of the Astros' top four prospects, including their number one prospect. But they still need guys to pitch for them next year. So with a free agent class that includes guys like Julio Urias, Marcus Stroman, possibly Eduardo Rodriguez, and oh yes, Shohei Otani, I don't see them sitting this out at all. Yeah, I, I don't. From everything that I've seen with the Mets, I don't see them sitting out on any free agent. If they want a guy, they're going to try to make a play for him. So I guess we're going to find out this offseason if uh, if that conversation was true or not, based off of any offers that they make to try to get guys to come up to Queens. Do you think, you just mentioned a little bit, but do you think the moves over the last four or five days have increased 
their ability to get Shohei, decrease their ability to get Shohei, or has no effect on it whatsoever? I don't really think it has that much of an effect just because guys are going to do what they're going to do. If Shohei wants to be in Queens, he's going to be in Queens. Um, I think it's as pretty – and I'm sure they'll basically write a blank check for him and say, if you want it, come on. I also saw their lineup last night because we played them last night. They lost a lot of guys, and they still have a pretty good lineup. So that I like it's they're having a down year, but I don't think it means that they're a bad team. I think there's some, you know, obviously Scherzer and Verlander make them better, but like Scherzer wasn't having a great year. Verlander didn't have a great start. He had been a lot better as of late. Um, so <clears throat> for the Mets, they could be looking at it as addition by uh, by subtraction, uh, depending on how they view those guys. Other other teams may view them as, no, they're going to help us get over the top, but maybe the Mets didn't see it like that. Um we'll see over the next year or so. Well, you know, billionaires in particular are uh, not patient people. Okay. Right. And when Steve Cohen took over ownership in November of 2020, he said, we want to be the East coast Dodgers. Well, they hadn't gotten to that point as far as the farm system, because it does take time. Now they've had some young guys that have come up and helped them produce. And they look like they're going to be pretty good players at some point, if not already decent players. But the Dodgers have done this for well over a decade now, where when they've gotten injured or they've needed to fill some gaps and let some big price guys go, they haven't missed a beat because their farm system has been so good. And so what he's trying to do is accelerate that. But there's no way they're going to sit out the 2024 offseason and say, hey, you know what? We'll take some guys that'll just be one-year $10 million deals and we'll let those guys pitch because they're, I don't see that in Steve Cohn's DNA. I think he can't. he won't be able to help himself and if I'm a Mets fan, I don't want him helping himself. He doesn't need to be patient. Just because it didn't work this year doesn't mean it might not work next year with the spending philosophy. Yeah. Well, I, I think, too, as fans, the worst thing that you can be is in the middle. And I don't see the Mets being in the middle. Um, I yep. see them going for it because you either, you know, at least the way that I understand it is if you're in the middle you really don't have a direction where at least if you're rebuilding, you have a direction you're going. And if you're, you know, going for it, you have a direction you're going. So I don't see the Mets being in that middle ground or being in that rebuild stage. So I see them going for it. If they find a player that they think can help them, they're going to go get them. No matter what the price is, no matter who it is, they're going to go try to make it work. All right. Uh, as we move on, I want to tell you a little bit about Bally Sports. It is the home of local baseball coverage. Uh, they're how Brewers fans watch the Brew Crew, how Tigers fans watch their team in Detroit, how Royals fans get to watch Vinny Pasquantino when he's not hosting baseball today. Now, with the new pitch clock rules, the game has actually been changed for the better, right? We like it. Less downtime. There's more action, more athleticism, faster pace, the whole bit. There's only one tiny little problem with the pitch clock era. There's just no time to drink those big old tall boys at the game anymore. So shorter games call for shorter beers. And so that means... With these shorter games, Bally Sports is having a short boy summer. That's why Bally Sports has created that, these bad boys. They're 8.4-ounce cans of delicious baseball beer. They are crisp. They're refreshing. The can is stubby yet substantial and only available in select markets. So shorter games mean shorter beers. It is time for short boy summer. Watch shorter games on Bally Sports and streaming on the Bally's Sports app. I love it because you can down it in like two sips. You're good. You're like, ah. That was refreshing, and you can't drink it without going, 
active. Yeah, and, and you're short too, so having a short boy summer is cool for you. I'm not short. I'm shorter than you are. You're a behemoth. You're six foot four and getting down to 232 pounds by I do day. Mm -hmm. That's right. What are you down to? Uh, yesterday, I was a little bit up. I was 243, but that's because I changed things around and I'm happy with where I'm at. Good. Well, that's all that matters is that you're happy. Yeah. The other stuff is just a number. All right. Let's get on to the strangest story to come out of trade deadline day. Dodgers thought they had a deal to obtain Tigers left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez, but L.A. was one of 10 teams on his no-trade list. Uh, apparently, the reason Rodriguez wanted to stay in Detroit and not go to L.A. was because of family reasons. However, some fans question Rodriguez's interest in winning by turning down the trade. Is that fair? No, I don't think it's fair because... They're, like we talked about yesterday, this is good timing for what we talked about yesterday. There's a reason you get a no trade clause. <laughs> so you can invoke it when a team tries to trade you somewhere you don't want to go. Yes, the Dodgers are going to make the playoffs. No, the Tigers are not going to make the playoffs. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about winning. It means he cares about his life outside of baseball, and he's earned that right to have that feeling. While, yes, going and, and winning is the number one goal, sometimes things at home – keep you home and there's a reason that the Dodgers are on that list and he invoked the clause that they gave him in his contract and for me that's why you put those in there is in case there are reasons you want to go that he doesn't want to make public that's his right to do so it's well said I came out with a tweet about it saying people move on to me this is a non-story the story should be the Tigers talking to the Dodgers which Andrew Friedman of the Dodgers said they got pretty far down this road and not having 100% clearance. Um, Scott Harris, who's the new president in town with the Tigers, guy who used to be the GM out in San Francisco uh, and seems like a really bright, smart, nice guy, came out and said all the right things yesterday. He said, listen, we, you know, we put the Dodgers in contact, not with Eduardo, but with Eduardo's agent. And so maybe they were further down the road and maybe it sounded good to Eduardo Rodriguez for a while. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe L.A.'s the right spot. They had former teammates of his in Boston that are now in L.A. Give him a call and say, hey, listen, it's a great spot. All sorts of stuff. But even if they went 99.9% .9 down the road and at the last second, Rodriguez got cold feet for whatever reason and wanted to turn around and say, I'm staying in Detroit. That's his deal. That is his deal, and that is not his fault. Because at the end of the day, until he says, I am 100% on board, I am clearing it, and I will sign my name to that piece of paper, then it doesn't matter. He can turn around on the road if he wants to. Yeah, I, I think just not knowing the story makes me not really want to comment on it, just because, like you said, it's really a no story. Now, that if that say that is the case, and he was leading them on, you know, it's kind of like, leading a significant other on before you eventually break up with them. It's like, well, that was kind of a jerk move. Um, but but still but his right, by the way. Still his right, and there's no reason for anybody to be upset with him because, one, nobody knows what happened, and two, it's his right to do because the Tigers gave him the contract with a 10-team no-trade. Mm -hmm. So that's 100% okay for him to do without it being a big deal. One thing I hated yesterday, and I watched a lot of the coverage on my old employer, and this is not me, sour grapes, bitter rose, this is not it. There was one guy up there who used to be a GM, and he came out and said, 
the Tigers stood by you last year when you essentially went AWOL. If people remember, there was a time where they couldn't get a hold of him. Eduardo Rodriguez, there was an issue there. We don't. It's not our right to know what it is as fans, as anybody outside of that organization. That's between him and the team. And this guy said, the organization stood by you. We're talking about two months. You couldn't have helped out the organization? No. That's not his job to help out the organization. It's the organization's job to help out the organization. And by the way, bud, why don't you go tell the guy who gave him a limited no-trade clause when he's coming off a four-plus ERA season in Boston not to give him that? But you did. And so that's on you and your organization. Now, by the way, that's not Scott Harris that gave him that clause. It was somebody else that isn't there anymore. Yeah. I, it's hard to it, – it's crazy to me when people just go out and say stuff like that just because you don't know what's going on. Um, like, I I just feel like that's just a, a crazy thing to do. Like, as players, you have two choices, right? You can look out for the organization that, in this case, he didn't come up with. He simply is a Tiger because they offered him a nice contract and he wanted to go there. Um I don't even see it as looking out for the organization or not looking out for the organization. You have a choice to make based off of the contract that that organization gave you. It's not my responsibility to help you load up the farm system just because you want to. Like, it, I would think it's helping the organization to have a, a pitcher with like a, a whatever low ERA he has right now. Like that helps the organization pretty good is when you have a guy that goes out there every five days and gives up two runs a start. Like, that helps the organization and you gave him a player opt out, which he's probably going to invoke at the end of the year. Like that's, that's what this game is. It's not, it's not a player's job to help the organization get other players through trading me. <laughs> like it's my job to go out there and perform. That's it. Like that's, you know, it's pretty black and white. That's what you do. You go out, you play, you go home. And by the way, if, if Rodriguez opts out of the last three years and $49 million on his deal, which we both think he will, if it comes down to negotiations and some organizations get cold feet to either bring him in because they're a little unsure about who he is as a person based on what's transpired the last two seasons, or they are balking at a limited no trade clause because they saw this unfold, that's their right. 100%. And if that it's a business. Poorly, yeah. If that reflects poorly on Eduardo Rodriguez, he has to live with that. You just, I mean, life's made up of choices and he has made his choices and is it possible that they've screwed him in the future? Sure, that is very possible, I think. But it's those are his decisions, and so we just have to respect them. You don't have to like right. it; you have to respect them. Right. Well, sometimes, I mean, I just, I just keep laughing at that comment of help the organization out. Sometimes being a company man hurts you at the end of the day, anyway. So sometimes they think they can do whatever you want to them if you never say no. So. Like for me, yeah, that's part of business. You make decisions and people make decisions based off those decisions and you move on from it. That's it. If teams get cold feet because of it, you know, he knows there's there's things that he's done that teams might not like, but somebody will most likely sign up. And if it's a place he wants to go, he's going to go there. And if it's a if only one team offers him a contract, he's probably going to end up going to that place. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things where this is just business and you know, there's a lot of emotions attached to it because it's what you do for a living and it's what you love to do. But at the end of the day, Eduardo's got to do what's right for Eduardo. And then secondary to that, what's best for the team. So for him, he made a choice yesterday and we'll see how it affects things moving forward. 
So uh, they moved on. We have to move on. More interesting trade deadline day. The Padres, the Marlins, or C, some other team? I think interesting-wise was the Marlins based off the move they made. I think, like, Padres is really cool because they're, you know, they're not selling like every like some people thought they would. But the, I think the Marlins moves are interesting because you get Jake Berger from the White Sox, who is a third baseman, second baseman, DH type. And then you get Josh Bell, who's a first baseman, DH type. So you go, you basically just go get two hitters, two guys that can hit. Um, and I'm going to be completely honest. Did they make other moves in that? Or were those the only two that they made? So, no, they picked up Weathers. Uh, oh, from the Padres too. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a guy who was a first high first round pick, uh, made his debut in the playoffs a couple of years ago, but just hasn't found it, which to me is strange because I saw him pitch in person this year against uh, the Guardians. And when he was warming up and thrown in the first inning, I turned to my sons and I was like, Jesus, how is this guy not better? Like, I faced him in spring training and I was kind of thinking that too. Was like, I, I can't see the ball. <laughs> Like it, right? and it was it was when I got back right back from the WBC and it was only a few days later. So I was a little bit sleep deprived at the time trying to get my swing going. So <laughs> like it's probably not the best time for me to talk about hitting. But uh, but that was my thought, too, is like this guy's kind of electric. And if there's an organization that knows starting pitching and how to develop it, Miami's a pretty good one. So, yeah. you know, they they know what they're looking at when it comes to starting pitching. That's for sure. For me, though, although I like Kim Ang giving her team a shot because offensively they do need more of a jolt in that lineup. And Berger is a guy who is mashed. He's going to finish the season maybe with 35 homers. The thing is they traded for, in my opinion, two DHs yesterday. I don't know where you play Berger. They're going to probably play him at third where they've gotten zero offensive production, mostly because of Gene Segura, who was the guy headed back to Cleveland in the Josh Bell deal, even though they're DFAing him. Um, And Josh Bell is, Super nice guy. I hope he unlocks it, something he didn't do his four months in Cleveland. He's not a good first baseman, dude. And you talked about it yesterday. You just can't throw anybody over there. Um, I, I don't know. It's weird. I think I really think they traded for two for two DHs yesterday. Yeah, so I know Jake very well. We worked out together in the offseason. So for his sake, I hope he plays third base or first base or you know just gets on the field. Um but I do think Josh Bell's probably your DH. And I think you put Berger at first or third and see what you got out of him. Because in Chicago, he never really got that opportunity. He was, for the most part, DHing. So, right. But what you know is you're getting two guys that can hit homers at a high rate. Josh Bell hasn't done it this year as much as people would have hoped he would and what he's getting paid to do. But Jake Berger definitely is. So more pop just got added to that lineup. and And I'm excited to see how that works. Yeah, real quickly, I just want to touch on the San Diego stuff. The biggest news was that Blake Snell and Josh Hader are still Padres. That's the mm-hmm. biggest news. The other stuff, Rich Hill gives them a little bit more depth, although when Waka comes back, what are they going to do? Are they going to push Lugo to the bullpen? Maybe that could help them bridge some gaps in the late innings where they've had some trouble this year. Uh, G-Man Choi, is he slightly better left-handed DH option than Matt Carpenter? Yeah, slightly this year. Overall, he, he's been better you know he was really good in tampa yeah in pittsburgh he never really kind of found his footing at all uh garrett cooper over 800 ops against left-handed pitching uh not huge sample size this year but you know once again worth something so aj preller he 
he can't be left out of the party on trade. And, and Scott Barlow right there at the deadline. Um, Scott Barlow, who's the closer for, for us, he's going to, I would assume, pitch the eighth inning, seventh inning for them, just with Hater. Yeah, I mean – and you know, I just wanted to give him give him a shout out just because uh, he left yesterday. Which, by the way, the Dodgers also got Ryan Yarbrough yesterday from the Royals. Just had yes, to did. throw that in, right which probably was an effect. Right. Of, probably an effect of Eduardo Rodriguez saying no. Uh, the Royals benefited from that a little bit. So thanks, Eduardo. <laughs> Even though I'm going to miss uh, Ryan by Yarbrough. Way, uh, by the way, Rich Hill um, just continued to add to his immaculate grid of dominance. By joining his 13th different major league team, I suck at that Most. game. By the way, side note. Yeah, but you're you're young. You're in your mid 20s. Even though you're a good baseball fan, that's that's hard. I bet you you would be in uh, a high percentage of guys that actually do pretty well of active major leaguers. I get if I miss one, I just stop playing. Yeah. So I every okay. time I miss one, I'm just done. Okay, that's fair. I think you uh, it, you don't cheat, right? No, I don't cheat. Thank you. Last but how did Prince Fielder never have 100 RBIs with the Rangers? That's what I'm wondering. I could have sworn he had 100 RBIs. Well, he wasn't there that long. I didn't know that you had to be on the team when you got the 100 RBIs. I thought it was like you have 100 RBIs and you played for the oh. Texas Rangers. Got it. No, no, no. No, no, no. The only way that works is if it's like 3,000 hits. You don't have to have gotten 3,000 hits in the uniform. BS. Look, I don't make the rules. I just play by them. This episode of Baseball Today is sponsored by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code BASEBALLTODAY. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code BASEBALLTODAY only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for gambling problems. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most elder states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50. 10-plus leg required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Let's move on to this last thing quickly. What was more impressive, the belly bomb and the arc that it took or the fact that it knocked out the scoreboard lights? Knocking out the scoreboard lights. That's the coolest thing that you can do in baseball, in my opinion. That's not true, but that is, I love, I, I've broken a scoreboard one time and I've never felt like Ooh. more of a badass. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was just a, in college at a, our conference tournament, I hit one off the scoreboard and it kind of shattered and went black which was really cool so yeah breaking a scoreboard is just that's a really good feeling you know you hit one good if you break a scoreboard that's awesome cool uh i, I wanted a good scoreboard story very quickly before we get out of here on the podcast and more importantly on the youtube side because this is a visual aid i just want to thank the omaha storm chasers not only for the awesome hat but for the awesome Vinny pasquantino bobblehead where you are holding the Italian flag. Yep. Yep, that's right. What a what a cool bobblehead. The 
the Italian nightmare is what it says on the bottom. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah, that's what uh, that that's what the nickname used to be before Pasquatch. And uh, although we love Pasquatch here at uh, John Boy Media, here's the one thing: they when they sent it to me in the box and in the packing styrofoam, can you see that they put a protective styrofoam ring around your neck? Yeah. I'm I'm not sure I want to remove that. I'm afraid it, it looks like one of those pillows that you put on when you're going to fly internationally. Yeah, that's what it is. It's just a big frequent flyer, that guy. Okay. All right. You look great. Love the Thanks. flag. And by the way, it's fabric. It's not like Ooh, part of the I didn't know that. bobblehead. Yeah. You didn't get one of these? No, I did. I just haven't opened them yet. Oh, okay. Well, it's. I will cherish it forever. Vinny, you will always be with me. Thank Perfect. You. Um. So let's see here. Uh, I don't know when we're going to see again. I'm sure it'll be some point in the month of August when Ploof has another vacation or something else coming up. I feel like I'm boring on these shows. I'm I'm too boring on baseball today. What does that mean? Because, you know, I'm, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I'm boring. What do you, what do you mean you're boring? People love your insight. Your play, and plus you've got a cool left-handed mid. Are you, are you uh, changing to pitcher? Do you want to show that thing off real quick? No, it's just still just my outfielder's glove. Just breaking it in. Are you um are you hinting at something with the Royals? Oh no, 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 no. I will the over under on the uh innings of outfield I play in my career is set at 0. 0.5. Ooh, I'm gonna take the over because but I like some sort can't of can't bet on baseball, so I game. can't have any action in that. Uh but that's what the line is at. Got it. Okay. Oh, me neither, by the way. I, I can't either. So Oh, yeah, that's right. So I'll leave it to so the fans. Go. Okay. Vinny, it was awesome having you the last few days. You were great. You were funny. You're not boring. Stop with hey, that. thanks. Had enough. I'm not going to deal with that sort of self-deprecation. It's not what we do here. Um, scheduling note. Because I'm traveling for floorball tomorrow, we will not have a show. We will be back Friday. I think Jolly's going to join me. Loof's on a little bit of a breather, doing some other stuff. So we will see you on Friday. We always appreciate it. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the always entertaining, did you hear that? Pasquatch, Vinny Pasquantino, entertaining. Yes, you are. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Baseball Today.